Let's, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer this morning. Father God, we come to you today, Lord, and, uh, and Father, we just ask that right now that you would be uh, in this church, Father, that you would uh, begin speaking to your people, Lord. Lord, I pray that, uh, that we would now open up our, we would open up our minds, we would open up our hearts, and Lord, that we would just receive your word this morning. And Father, we just ask that you would be here and that your Holy Spirit would be here. And Father, that we would just be able to enjoy your presence today. And Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, last week, we, uh, we started a study. It's called Rise Up. And uh, if you don't have a book, um, there's a whole bunch of them out there on the Connection booth if you need to get one of those. Uh, but we're going to be going through this. This is the second week. Um, we've got two more weeks after this. Uh, and, and I'd really encourage you to get committed uh, to these few weeks because this is a very short time to commit to church. And I promise you that if, you, uh, if you're open-minded about these things, I promise you that it'll change the way that you live your life. And uh, that's, that's pretty bold to say, but I promise you that it will. Um, so I would really encourage you to get plugged into that. Last week we were talking... Uh, on a subject of knowing God, and uh, we started off, you know, it fitted nicely to Easter Sunday. I was actually thinking about that last night. I can't believe that Easter Sunday was last week. It feels like it was a month ago already, um, but we were talking about knowing God and what it meant to know God and, and who Jesus was and what he came to do and all of this stuff, um, but really important material. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to, uh, to the message about that last week if you, if you weren't here. Um, but this week we're going to be talking about something a little different, and this week is titled uh, "Get Connected." And really, it's important uh, for me. This is almost one of my favorite topics to to talk about, and that's why I'm kind of I'm not sure where to go because there's so much that I'd like to say. And getting connected is so important for for a Christian to have and to be. If we're not connected, uh, there's a few things, if you look at the sermon notes there, there's, there's three things that it says to get connected to. It says to get connected to God, to get connected to people, and to get connected to ministry. But you see, we, last week when we were talking about knowing God, we're talking about getting connected to God and what it means to be in relationship uh, with Him. And uh, so, with that in mind... To me, the question to ask is, it's more about, you know, the church. And so, let me ask you a question. What do you think the point of church is? Why did you, I mean, let's hear, why did you get up this morning and why did you come to church? To worship God? Okay. Anybody else? Mm, That's a good one. Anybody else? Okay, to get connected. Good. That's a good answer. That's like whenever you're in, a, when you're in a Bible study with, and you're teaching kids and you know, you're asking them a question and they raise their hand and they answer Jesus. Uh, it's always the safe answer, you know? And, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's good. But I want you to think about that uh, because sometimes we do things as a ritualistic standpoint. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit. We like to do the same things all the time. 
And really, we got to start thinking about why we're doing the things that we're doing. You know, whenever Christ died, there's a reason that he told Peter that he would be the rock on which he would build his church. He had a plan and a purpose for the church that he was building. He wouldn't have built something if it wasn't necessary. So why did he create this place that we're standing here in Oakton, Missouri, population 36, with a few hundred people in this room on a Sunday morning? Why are we doing this? What's the point of it? Why did I wake up this morning to, to, to come here? Why didn't I go outside and play in the snow? You know, it's April. I should be playing in the snow. And uh, so think about those things. I mean, really get a concept of that. Why are we doing these things? And I'm going to skip down to the bottom of your uh, sermon notes there, and I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. So something beautifully happened in this passage of Scripture, because for the first time, you know, Jesus had died and crucified. We talked about that last week. The believers are gathered together in this room, and for the first time, the Holy Spirit falls on these guys. And it's crazy. It's chaos. There's people speaking in all these different languages, uh, and they go out into the street, and all these people are hearing the gospel in their own native language, even though none of them are speaking the same language. Everybody's hearing it. And it's just, if you can picture this, I mean, thousands and thousands of people hearing this. And uh, so all the people are confused about what's happening. And so Peter, the rock on which Christ would build his church, stands up and addresses the crowd, and he starts uh, delivering this message and talking about, you know, what Jesus came to do and how he fulfilled the scriptures and all this different stuff and how uh, these people should uh, repent of what they've done because they've just crucified Jesus and, and all this stuff. And as a result of not only the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and not only the words that Peter spoke to the people, but if you look at what it says there, and I think it's verse 41, it said, those who believed what Peter said and were baptized and added to that church today about 3,000 in all. The Holy Spirit falls, and 3,000 people are added to the church that day. And uh, usually during that time, they would have only kept track of men. So it also talks about later in the scriptures about whole families getting saved. Imagine how many people that is. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people at one time. And uh, what I want to get at is verse 42. And it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper and a prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and money with those... Oh, page stuck together. In need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared the meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So how's that different? This is the, this is the established church. Usually, if you're going to look at things in, in the course of history, 
usually whenever they start doing something, it has, it has such meaning and purpose. You know, and you know all the reasons that we do these things. And now we're standing here 2,018 years later, and we're still meeting together. We're still doing some of these things. Have we lost the, have we lost the meaning of it? Do we still uh, have this intention? Do we still have this deep sense of awe? You know, we've got to realize why we come here. And I think uh, the root of some of these things are the reason that the United States church attendance is in decline. Is that we're approaching this for, for the wrong reason. Um, we come with a ritualistic standpoint of, I'm a Christian, I need to go to church on Sunday, rather than uh, getting connected. Getting connected with God, getting connected with people, and getting connected with ministry. Because it's a pretty obvious standpoint of why you should be connected to God, right? Do we have that one down? You know, we need to have a relationship with God in order to know what direction to have for our life and what things that we should do. But the reason that we need to be connected with people is because people hold us accountable. And we hold people accountable. But you see, if a church isn't unified, if it isn't a community of believers like we're talking about here in Scripture, then there is no accountability. And there is no unity. You know, we got to realize that I don't just come to church on Sunday just for myself. Because if I'm thinking about just, if I'm just thinking about Lannon, I'll slip in the back pew on Sunday and maybe slide out whenever the weather gets a little better and I need to go fishing. No one will notice that I'm gone. Because we're approaching this for, for the wrong reasons. We're not a community of believers. We need to be unified and together because I don't know if you've noticed or not. I don't know if you guys watch the news, but it's not real encouraging. You know, it's not real encouraging in this world. It's a bunch of people tearing each other down. And whenever I come to church on Sunday, I want to be connected with people who believe the same way that I do so that I can leave this building encouraged. Because, you see, a, a man who's on his own in faith is on a pretty tough journey. But a man who has a body of brothers to stand with him through the fire and the flame is on a different mission. You know, if we can stand together through the thick and through the thin, that's the purpose that's the point of it all. The reason they were sharing meals, the reason they were doing all these things is because they're opening up together and say, hey, let's get connected as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's, that's the difference. And, and last week we talked about, uh, we took a little detour and we were talking about how in John chapter 5 that this man uh, who was uh, paralyzed, Jesus came up to him and he says, basically says, hey, do you want to get well? And he says, yeah, I, I do. And so he says, take up your mat and walk. But the problem was, the problem was, is that this happened on the Sabbath. And uh, as this man who is paralyzed stands up and is able to walk, who is paralyzed for 38 years, by the way, picks up his mat and starts walking, and he runs into some religious leaders, and they say, what are you doing? The Sabbath, this is the Sabbath, you know, we don't, you're not permitted to carry that mat. And we talked about how the church roles have almost flipped to where us as the church has now become the religious leaders and we're more liable to point at someone's mat 
and point out the flaws that they're doing wrong rather than recognize how far they've come. And so we're going to kind of branch off of that today uh, because that's where you see the church is, is, is in the wrong direction. But we're going to see today what the church was meant for, okay? So if you'll go with me to, uh, to Mark chapter 2, we're going to figure out what it means to be a community of believers. And it seems kind of strange because this is before uh, our church is really established, but this is in, in the workings of, of when Jesus was, was here and his ministry was uh, going on in uh, Mark chapter 2. And this is, this is beautiful. It says, When Jesus returned from Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. When he was preaching God's word to them, four men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head, and then they lowered the man on this mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thinking to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Stand up, pick, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the, or, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. Did you notice the difference? How is this different than the story of the last paralyzed man that we read about? You see, this guy, he, he, he wasn't quite as lucky, uh, for lack of a better word, to have Jesus walk up to him and say, hey, do you want to get well? But you see, this man was paralyzed. And uh, how beautiful it is that he had a body of brothers to carry him to Jesus, not only to have the faith to bring him to Jesus, but when they saw obstacle, they were willing to climb on top of a roof and knock a hole in it and drop him down in front of Jesus so that he could be healed. It's different. Instead of being a, a body of people who accuse someone of the little things that they're doing wrong are more willing and able to pick up a brother who's down and to bring him directly into the throne of Jesus so that he can be healed. Because we, we do it differently. We'll see, like, you know, and this is a little different, I think, maybe for you, but those men going and the four men that carried the paralyzed man, those four men could have just as easily walked past him and went and sat and listened to Jesus' teaching. They just as easily could have done that. Just as easily as we came to church today. Okay? But instead, and, and that would have been a good thing. They could have went. 
But it was better for them to carry their brother who was paralyzed and bring him to Jesus so that he could be healed. Okay, are you getting this? Because (laughs) these guys were willing to carry their brother, drop him down in front of the throne of Jesus. Not only did they get to listen to Jesus' teaching, not only did they get to experience his presence, but they also got to watch one of the miracles that's recorded in the Bible unfold in front of their eyes. But it was because they cared enough about this guy to bring him to Jesus and say, we want him to be healed. They didn't just like, they weren't like looking around before they went to Jesus like, what can we have Jesus heal? You know, they weren't looking for that. They saw a a brother that they cared about and said, I want him to be healed. And it's different. And what I'm asking today is does the church still operate the same way today? Because you see, we're, we're accountable. And we need to be held accountable. You know what I'm saying? If I have something going on in my life, I need to be able to know that I can go to Larry and say, hey, Larry, I got this going on. Will you stand with me in prayer? Will you do this or that and the other? And not necessarily be about you know, judging me because of this deal I got going on, but welcoming me and encouraging me in the things of the Lord. And until we're a community of believers who are unified enough to say, hey, I'm willing to go with you through the fire and the flame no matter what the problem is because I want to see you be with the Lord. And we have to change the way that we're thinking about things. We can't just come to church on a Sunday and think about, well, I hope to get something from the Lord today, but we should walk out of this building encouraged in the things of the Lord. Because the Lord's actually dealing with me about something the other day, and it was in the regard of testimony. And we think, first thing, is that we don't have a good enough testimony. I don't know how many times I hear that. I don't have a good enough story to tell. But the second thing is, is that we will only share, we only think we should share our testimony in a time whenever we're leading a new believer to Jesus or we're encouraging uh, an unbeliever. But the truth is, is that when it says in Revelation that we'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that's meant for the church too. Have you ever not been encouraged by someone's story? Someone gave a testimony and you just weren't encouraged by it? I've never experienced that. But what I'm telling you is is that whenever we come to church, we should be a unified body of believers who will come and share our story and encourage each other in the things of the Lord. Because the reason that we have these issues of people who are falling away from faith is because they haven't been encouraged and strengthened in faith by people who are willing to stand in the fire with them. You know what I'm saying? And it's different. And we've fallen away from this idea of a community of believers And we need to reestablish what that really means in our life. It's more than just growing a church attendance. It's it's bringing a body together. Because when it's talking about in 1 Corinthians, it's talking about the body. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but my index finger isn't laying on the floor. My body's connected together, and therefore it's useful. But if all my body parts are laying out here scattered on the stage, it's of no use to anyone. And a church who isn't brought together 
is of no use to anyone. And are you getting me? Are, are you hearing me? Because this is, it's so true. Because a lot of times we come to church and, and I'm not looking or talking to anyone, but we get, we get hurt by someone. Someone's hurt our feelings. Someone's uh, maybe not encouraged us. Someone has offended us in some way or another. And uh, what happens is, is that instead of going to a brother who's struggling, we separate ourselves from a brother that's struggling. And I'm, I'm no doctor, but uh, what, that does, what that says to me is, you know, like I have veins in here that have blood running through them. Right, Taylor? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I got veins in my body that are running blood through them. Separating yourself from that person is like clogging an artery, and I don't know if you know or not, but I'm going to have a heart attack. Does that make sense? We can't keep allowing this spirit of division in. And until we're a unified body of believers, we're not going to be useful to anyone. But we got a body in the Church of America today that has been, you know, they say, you know, if you have a problem with someone, then just don't affiliate yourselves with them. If you see someone running from the Lord, you just say, well, I guess they're gone. But see, the the unified body of believers will run after a brother who's stumbling, who will run after someone who's hurting. You know, and, and the point being is that not only do we have to hold each other accountable, but we also have to be loving in the way that we approach things. I was sitting in Gary Dumb's Sunday school class today, and they were talking about armor bearers. And I thought, how, how appropriate uh, that, you know, we need people around us who will encourage us in the things of the Lord and not only encourage us, but also see when the enemy's trying to divide things in our life. You know, we got to have those people. And really, it comes down to, you know, we, we stand around and look for those people in our lives. But if you want an armor bearer, you need to be an armor bearer. You know, if you want people to be faithful to you and loving to you, you got to be that way to them. You know, it's how it works. And uh, I don't know if any of this is making sense today, but uh, there's there's too much division. And whenever we're talking about this paralyzed guy. In, uh, in Mark chapter 2, he came, after he got healed, Jesus told him to take up his mat and walk. Why do you think he did that? This guy has been laying on this mat for so long. It's nasty. It's probably smelly. It's gross. Why would he want to carry that around? Why would Jesus tell him to take it and go? He's carrying his testimony in his arms. Every person who sees him is going to be, that's the guy who was bound to that mat for so long. And now he has overcome it and he's carrying it around with him. And it's time that we be a church of people who are willing to carry our testimony, to carry our story, to carry words of encouragement, and to carry people with us on our arms 
and are willing to endure and are willing to uh, live this life with each other. No matter how offended Robert is at me, that he'll come to me if I've done something to hurt him and say, hey, you know, this is going on and, and I know you probably didn't mean what you said by it, but um, I just wanted to come and address this. And we talk it out and we work it out and we move on. But instead of, of splitting ourselves away, think of it this way. Every time that you're doing that with somebody, you're cutting off a finger to our body. You're cutting off your arm to the body. You're separating yourself and we're going to be less functional because of it. And until we're willing to embrace everyone, it's not going to work. And we're not going to be of use to anyone. And Kent was talking about this during first service. And he was saying how he was surprised at the number of people who came up to him uh, after speaking the other week, talking about how we had had uh, pedophiles in the church and uh, murderers and all this different stuff, and how it shook him. Be like, we don't have those kind of people in the church, do we? And it's like, can we not have a body of believers who, who are sinners? Because we all need each other in order for us to be able to be with God. We need each other to hold accountable. And whenever you sing a song like Amazing Grace, what it does to me is whenever I close my eyes and I think about this, I think of all the stupid things that I've done wrong in my life. And how the cross washed away and took care of all those things. And John Bevere says it this way, those who can't forgive have forgotten what they've been forgiven of. And until we realize that, hey, I'm no better than, than the next guy. I've done a billion things wrong in my life. But praise God, I can come here and get unified with people and be able to be encouraged and uplifted so whenever I go back out into my work week and I get filled with all the negativity and I get filled with all the crud that we have in our world, I can still be encouraged and endure and still grow in faith because I have a body of brothers who will stand with me through everything. Amen. And that's the point of it all. And I want to I read something to you. I want to say something first before I do that. I've said this before, but do you think that Satan is, is dividing us because he knows what will happen if we are unified together as a body? He's working that. And if you look at, let's say, a lion, for instance, a lion doesn't attack a group. It waits for one to separate himself. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to you today. You may be thinking about, hey, I need to part ways. I need to do this with somebody. Somebody's hurt me, so I'm going to distance myself from them. But whenever you distance yourself, you're setting yourself up to be devoured by the enemy. Because he's waiting for you to split. He's waiting for you to get away and be alone. Because that's whenever he's going to take you. And we got to be willing as a group whenever someone distanced themselves, to bring them back in and to love on them. No matter how much they've hurt us, no matter how we feel like they don't deserve our forgiveness, no matter what the situation is, 
that we're willing to ensure that no one is going to slip away. Because Jesus did what? He, he left the 99 to pursue the one. If we're going to be a church reflecting on his character, we got to get connected with each other. And we got to get connected with God. And really, we got to get connected to ministry too. And the reason that I believe that we need to get connected to ministry is because whenever you come to church on Sunday, that should be ministry. You should be encouraging. You should be uplifting. We're sharing scriptures with each other. We're, we're building up each other's faith. But also, I believe that God has instilled something within you, some, uh, some calling, some, some deal that he's placed in your heart. And whenever you start operating in that gifting, you're going to see your faith grow more and more and more and more and more. Because the more that you step out, the more that you give yourself to him, the more that he will build you and he will grow you. It's kind of weird how that works. You got to give yourself more to get more of him. Because it's wrong to say, hey, I want more of God. But what we should be saying is, I want to give myself more to him and allow him to do his thing. So let's turn to a passage of scripture that I really feel that the Lord brought to my attention this week, and it's in Ezekiel uh, chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter uh, 33 verse 1 says, Once again a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be watchmen. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to uh, take action, it will be their own fault if they die. Or sorry, I... I skipped the line there. If he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then, if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They, hear, or they heard the alarm but ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if a watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. Son of man, I am now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them uh, for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die, and you fail to tell them and change their ways, then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent, and they don't repent, then they will die in their sins, but you will be saved. Interesting. And I really do believe this. You know, we are to be watchmen for the people, watchmen for each other, brothers in Christ, who are willing to sound an alarm whenever the enemy's coming to devour them. Now, what I'm not telling you to do is to go to someone with a judgmental spirit and say, hey, you're doing this, 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 and this. But what I am telling you to do is to go to a brother and say, hey, 
I see this going on and I, I only do it out of love because I want to see you grow in faith. There's a complete difference there. There's a difference between someone who will go and point a finger at you and someone who will come and embrace you. And we got to approach it with that kind of mentality because we can talk about you know, bringing, in, uh, bringing in the one who had strayed away. But you know, if Jesus walked up to the sheep that he went to when he left the 99 and went to the one, if Jesus walked up to that sheep and kicked it and pushed it down the mountain, then that's not bringing in the one, is it? It's different. And so we got to be a people who are willing to be watchmen for each other and to say, hey, I see the enemy coming. Or, hey, I know you're struggling through this, but let me uphold you. Because we got a lot of people in the church uh, who, who come here, but maybe aren't connected with each other. And we got to be a people who are willing to embrace and encourage and uplift each other so that whenever we leave here on Sunday, we're challenged, we're encouraged, and we're ready to continue on in our faith. And if the, uh, if the praise team wants to go ahead and come up, we'll uh, kind of put some ending thoughts to this. And I think for a longest, the longest time, for the longest time, the church has been, been uh, not, when I say church, I don't necessarily mean here, I'm talking about in general. Especially the American church has uh, been crying out to God. You know, we see all these things happening on the news and, and we say, God, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing anything about this? Why aren't you doing something? And if you flip over to, uh, to verse 17 in the same chapter that we're in, this verse says, Your people are saying, The Lord isn't doing what is right, but it is they who are not doing what is right. For again, I say, with righteous people, or sorry, when righteous people turn uh, from their righteousness behavior and turn to evil, they will die. But if wicked people turn from their wickedness and do what is right, they will live. O people of Israel, you are saying the Lord is not doing what is right, but I will judge each of you according to your deeds. The church is held to a different standard than, and it's meant for something more uh, than what we've been making of it. You know, we, uh, like I was talking about in the beginning, you know, we get in this ritualistic standpoint of, you know, I need to go to church on Sunday. But what I'm telling you is, is that whenever you walk in this building, whenever you come to any church, I don't care where you go to church, walk in there with intention. Walk in there ready to encourage and uplift each other. Not, hey, what can I get out of this? But what can I give to this? But it's different. And until we change this way of thinking, you know, we're not, like I was talking about earlier, we're going to be a body that's not of use to anyone. If I'm split up and separated and all my, like I was talking about, my arms over here and my legs over here, and it's no good. But whenever we bring it together, I'm telling you, we'll be a church. We'll be a people who is unshakable. We'll be a community of believers like this passage in Acts was talking about, you know, where 3,000 people are saved at a time. And, and it talks about how people were added to the church daily. And then it talks about later on in Acts uh, 4, whenever we encounter hardship, whenever somebody's struggling, we come together and we pray for boldness. 
and we pray and we encourage each other and uplift each other in a, in a direction towards the things of God. And you know, but if we don't have that accountability with each other, then what's the point? What's the point of coming here? What's the point of going to church? So what I'm encouraging you with today is I want you to get plugged in. I want you to get connected with something. If you don't know where to get connected or plugged in, I want you to come and talk to me about it. Because we got life groups. We got people who are willing to embrace and encourage you. There's people in this church who we can connect you with. There's all kinds of things that we can do. And if you don't know where to get started, then come talk to me about it. But what I'm telling you is, is don't be the one who's sitting on the edge of the pack. Because that's the one who's going to be devoured.